boxes. Now, this uncluttered theme applies also to my Christmas tree. Now, there's a bit of a debate between people, so I'm going to take a bit of a survey this morning. I want to know, I'm, I'm going to give you the two options first, decide who you are. I think there's people whose Christmas tree is all sentimental. You know, they've got all meaningful things on there. They've got, like, all the beautiful craft that their kids have made. There's all sorts of different special things, so there's no rhyme and reason to the tree, there's stuff everywhere. And then other people, like me, currently tries to have is a, a, a tree that's themed, you know, like everything... Every ornament that is there is for a reason. You know, it either fits the theme or it is very special, like chosen ones. Like this year, I bought some from Disneyland in Paris and they had to have, like, pride of, of place. But who's a, like, sentimental Christmas tree decorator and who's an uncluttered, must-look-beautiful Christmas tree? Okay, sentimental. Uncluttered, looking beautiful. Oh, it's about half-half. Yeah, there goes my theory. That's exactly right. Well... Once upon a time, our tree started to get very cluttered. Like the kids would come home and their beautiful Sunday school teachers or kids club leaders or childcare and school teachers would help them make these beautiful craft items, you know, where they'd have their face on a bauble or like a bright pink bauble where everything else is red and green or something like that. And we, we just got filled with all this stuff and homemade links on the tree, you know, homemade, like, yeah, you, you parents, you know. So it got all cluttered. And one year, a few years ago, enough was enough, you know. So what I did, and my kids were horrified at this, oh, they're not here today, that's great, the girls, is I bought another little Christmas tree where we put all the special decorations <laughs> that could go in another room that I didn't have to look at very often. And, um, and that was, like, kept away from the actual tree. And so when we decorated the trees, and still a little bit this year, was like, is this one for the rubbish tree or is this one for the proper tree? <laughs> then one year we got so sick of, like, um, doing taking decorations off two trees that Phil just got the cling wrap we saw on, like, like YouTube or something, this strategy, where you cling wrap around the tree. So it kind of cling wrapped around this rubbish tree and threw it into the garage. Then when we pulled it out the next year, some of their little like angels with their names on it or whatever made of glass had been smashed and stuff. So now we just don't put it out and we've only got a proper tree. But, but this principle of, um, of uncluttedness is important. Is uncluttedness a word? It's not, but you know what, whatever. Actually, a few people said to me this morning they were looking forward to hearing Sarah preach. I think they thought because it was her farewell Sunday that she was preaching. So sorry, it's just me. You get her one more time next week. So come back next week and you'll hear the pro. But anyway, really important decisions have to be made around what goes on a Christmas tree for some of us. But these are nowhere as important as the decisions that we need to make in regards to our Christmas schedule. Our Christmas calendar. What are we going to do at Christmas time to make sure we keep the main thing, the main things? Because Christmas is supposed to be this season of joy, but it's so often a source of stress. Between the decorating one or potentially two trees, the shopping, the cooking, the parties, the kids' programs, the family visits, and a million other things, the Christmas season can leave us a bit exhausted. It can leave us so full of things that actually the things that we really know are most important get a bit lost, like those decorations that I loved that seemed to be lost on my tree when the kids' things went on top of it. Now, I would suggest that as Christians, we need to make room for what matters to God most. I would suggest as we look to Jesus as our example, at Christmas time particularly, as we celebrate his coming, his life, that we should prioritise and look at Jesus' life and think and focus on the things 
that he thought and focused about. And so as we look at his life, we very quickly discover, as we did last week, that high on Jesus' list of priorities, those things that stood out to him, was relationships. In fact, Matthew 22, verse 37, or from verse 37, Jesus was asked, what's the most important law? What should I be living by? How should I live my life? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Basically, Jesus was saying, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour. The most important thing is to love God and to love people. God is a relational being. Pretty much the whole Bible is about how to have a relationship with God and how to have a relationship with other people. So at Christmas time, as Phil shared last week, we need to be focused on relationships, to make room for them amidst all the activity, maybe to simplify our lives a bit so that relationships are front and centre of our minds. And thank you, Kirsten, for sharing so helpfully about how you do that with your family. Didn't you love that? Like they fit in the life group breakfast. What a great idea. If your life group hasn't met yet um, this Christmas season, maybe a breakfast is a great thing that you can fit in. And today we look at another priority for Jesus, something that for him was very top of his his priority list. And we already heard it in the video how not to do this. But But the scripture teaches us that serving is vital for Jesus. In fact, the Bible says the whole purpose for Jesus coming was to serve. Mark 10, 45 says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve. The Son of Man came to give his life to save many people. As followers of Jesus, we're following a servant. We're following someone who's all about relationships and is all about serving. He came to serve. He came to save people from their sins, which is the ultimate service. Let's have a look at a few verses of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1. 21 to 23, and here we see an angel talking to Joseph, and she says this, or the angel says this about Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Have you stopped yet this Christmas time to think about how amazing that is? Most most relationships, most religions are about people trekking to God, searching for God, trying to please God, trying to please, make ourselves worthy to a God. But that's not the story of Christmas. That's not what Christianity is all about. Christmas is all about God coming to us, God making himself known to us. How weird is that? in our world where achievement is everything. It sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. God of the universe took on human form, took on flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He wanted to be with us. As Phil reminded us last week, when he came to earth, it wasn't a peaceful, silent night. It was stinky. It was gross. It was inconvenient. It was traumatic. It was perhaps a fitting night for what his 33 years on earth would look like. But remember, he didn't come for a silent night. 
The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Jesus came to serve and to save. A couple of weeks ago, um, Sarah was preaching and we considered the importance of serving everyone always. And she reminded us of the importance of having the same attitude of Jesus, the same mindset of Jesus who humbled himself to be a servant to the point of death. And maybe it will help you in this Christmas season to go back and to listen to that message just a few weeks ago. Because we need to be on that journey of humbling ourselves, of allowing God to adjust our attitudes to be like Christ. And this morning, I'm not going to go back over that stuff to do with attitudes and our mindset. I'm going to take that as prerequisite, if you like. So you might need to go back and and fill that in if you haven't heard that one. Because this morning, I just want to take a few moments for us to consider the how to serve. I'm going to assume you kind of know the why and that we should serve And so this is a a how-to kind of message, so I hope that's okay. We're going to look this morning, how did Jesus serve and how should we serve this Christmas? What is it that we're making room for in our already quite cluttered Christmas world? Jesus, in Luke 4, he'd grown up and he was a man and he was commencing his ministry and he opened the scroll and he read these words which were written and, and he claimed them for himself. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The creator of the universe comes to serve us and here he's explaining how he's going to do it. I've come into the world to bring good news to the poor. You know, Jesus had and he still has a servant heart for the poor. And as we, his followers, we we must have that too. We can be tempted to judge the poor to question how they came to be in their situation, the decisions they've made. We can, we can think we understand their story. But you know, Jesus, he really does understand and know everyone's story. He knows how people got to where they are. And he says, I've come to bring good news to the poor. And so at Christmas time, I want to share with you two ways that we need to serve as Jesus followers this Christmas and always really. Firstly, we may need to make time for serving people's immediate needs. Tim Keller is a famous author and preacher. He said, Christianity is not simply about a birth, but about a coming. It's not about a birth, but a coming of a saviour. Did you know that we are part of that coming? Jesus came to serve, but then he left his followers on earth to continue his work, his serving work, his saving work. The kingdom has come in Jesus, but the kingdom continues to come through us. We're here to do the work that he did. We're to focus on those people that he focused on, the poor, the widows, the orphan, the marginalised. And that's why at Christmas time, we make a greater effort at this time of the year to serve our community. Maybe we need to make a little bit of extra room in our schedule to find some time this week to serve a bit more effectively, a bit more intentionally. Maybe there's something that we can give up, something that we can clear in our schedules in order that we can proclaim the coming of a saviour who served by the way that we serve. 
when we announce the coming of a saviour, we're really demonstrating a serving saviour. People's immediate needs, things like shelter, food, clothes, toys, medicines, the church is called to meet these. You know, even the non-Christian world has caught on to this serving at Christmas time. They've jumped onto the bandwagon. Corporates, Rotary, Lions Club, good-hearted people want to serve people's immediate needs. While most of the year our pantry is a little bit bare and we scrape and we scrimp to try to find food, our office area is overwhelmed with food right now because corporates, rotary, businesses, people are emptying, like going shopping and coming to support at Christmas time. People's hearts are a bit warmer and it's a great thing. And God works through everyone to meet the needs of his people, not just the Christians. But as the church, as God's people here on earth, those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, we need to be at the forefront of this service. We need to be facilitating this service. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, not expecting anything in return. We serve the poor by how? All sorts of ways. By collecting money to assist them, by handing out vouchers and food and toys. But more than that, we help the poor by listening to them by helping them to work out the next step for their lives, by hearing their stories and working out how else we can help them to make good decisions and to, to, to be empowered to live their lives fuller and freer, to not live captives. That's why Jesus came. We serve the poor, perhaps not even knowing their story or complete situation, not with an attitude of pride or arrogance in that we've got all the answers or all the goods or all the resources, but we serve them humbly, as Jesus did. You know, a few years ago, I think I may have shared this story a few years ago, but my second year here, I was on the kettle outside Coles, and um, a lady came up to me, and she made a very generous donation, and I offered to write her a receipt, and she said, no, 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 it's okay, and she started crying, and she said, last year, at Christmas time, my husband had passed away, he died of cancer a couple of months earlier, and suddenly all the bills were overwhelming. And she said, in a situation of desperateness that I'm, I'm so embarrassed about that I've never told anybody else about, I came to the Salvos. And they helped me with toys for my children. And she said, forever I will give to the Salvation Army. Because when I was a widow, you were there. She said, I've now got a job. She wasn't working at the time. I've got a job and I'm in a position to help others. And I want you to help other widows. Now, this lady, I, she didn't stay for very long. It was a fairly short conversation. I gave her my card, and I haven't heard from her anymore since. But this lady was a widow, and it's actually quite interesting, and she used that phrase. I don't hear that phrase very often because the Bible talks about the role of the church is to care for orphans and widows, the lonely, the dispossessed, those who, who don't belong, those who lose a resource and they, and they can't survive in society. And I might suggest to you, as many scholars would if you were to read, that actually today's orphans and widows are actually much broader than that narrow category. I would suggest to you today that um, we have a great ministry here, that a large group of people here from our church serve what I call, to, what I think would be the equivalent to the orphans and widows of our world today. People that would be the top of Jesus' radar if he was to come to earth in physical form today. And I'm talking about new immigrants, refugees, 
People who find themselves in a country unable to communicate enough to really feel like they belong. Did you read the great report in our newsletter today? Yes? Has anyone read the report about the Christmas party on... I tell you what, Bill emailed this through during the week and um, I literally had tears forming in my eyes reading this report, thinking about the fact that two years ago this ministry didn't exist. And we've got a large amount. I think there's is there almost 20 people in our congregation who are involved in this. But re, I'm going to read it to you because I didn't get many yeses. It says more than 50 adults. Do you hear that? 50 adults, children and volunteers from our English conversation class shared meals from a dozen countries at the end of our end of year celebration on Wednesday night. Each adult was asked to bring food from their country for the event at SA's Cafe. Class participants were presented with a certificate acknowledging their progress during the year. That's caring for the poor, saying you belong. They were given a bag of other gifts. They represented classes held each week by volunteers from our core at the Wollongong and Warrawong libraries. This year was a second year only, 50 people involved, volunteers, participants. Um, they continue to attract new participants, including two Chinese women who turned up for the first time on Wednesday night. What a great example of serving immediate needs. I love it. Thanks to all those who've made that a priority, even in this busy season. That is serving immediate needs. So last week, we also talked about our frontline volunteers, what they're doing each week, serving immediate needs. We've got to make room for that. Maybe there's a few more of you that want to put up your hand for that. But let's not forget, however, that as a church, as followers of Jesus, our example for service is far greater than immediate needs. Let's not forget that Jesus came, Mark tells us, to save, or to serve, sorry, but also to save, to give his life as a ransom for many. Or some versions say, to save people from their sins. That is the ultimate need of people. We sell people short when we stop at the immediate needs. So let's, this Christmas, not get caught up in all the clutter. Let's think about what we can do to not just help people eat, not just help people have some shelter, not just hand out a few toys to meet their immediate needs, but let's think individually what we can each do to help meet people's ultimate needs. We need to make room for that. Because as Christians, we don't just serve people's presenting needs. We want to serve their need for a saviour. Now, Jesus came to serve and to save people from their sins. Are we able to save people from their sins? No, not us personally. Nothing we do can save people from their sins. But you know the, what we can do? Is we can introduce them to the one who can save people from their sins. We need to point people to Jesus this Christmas. Jesus didn't just meet their physical needs. He pointed people, even he pointed people to the Father, to God, to people's need for forgiveness. He gave them a way to be saved. That was priority in his life. And we need to also make room for serving ultimate needs. So to finish, I'm just going to tell you four ways that you can do that. You can think of a lot of different ways, I'm sure. You can have a conversation with someone on a bus. You can go and have a coffee with your neighbour and ask them if they know Jesus. You can do lots of things. But as, as a church leader here, I suppose I want to suggest four ways that you can get involved in things that are happening here if you're stuck for ideas for yourself. So firstly, you can be involved or you can be part of an outreach event. There are lots of them happening. We're going caroling again tomorrow night at 7pm. If you want the details, come and see me. We're at the links tonight. 
I hope next Sunday morning, this may not be correct, but I hope next Sunday morning we might be playing, the band might be playing at the front of the cafe again. Maybe, maybe not. But what a great opportunity we have to be involved. I was caroling last Monday night with the band and we've got these amazing books that the Bible Society gave to us this year for free. This is an amazing resource and we're able to give these out to kids. And you know what I witnessed on, on Monday? Was I witnessed the band playing on corners and I witnessed parents reading these books in driveways to their children as the band played because we'd given them out, all that you were there, nodding with massive smiles on your face. What a special, amazing privilege to be part of that. And this story isn't just the like three-word Christmas story that some kids get. It actually starts by talk, talking about the fact that God made the world and that the world needed a saviour and it ends and points people back to that saviour and what we need to do to accept him like, that's pretty amazing, right? And the, the, the whole gospel message is here and parents can read this to their children. So this is something intentional. This is not just playing some carols to meet people's immediate need for feeling Christmassy. This is actually their ultimate need, introducing them to a saviour. And it's so simple. It really is. Merry Christmas. Have one of these. I'll get on to something else you can do later. But tomorrow night, 7pm, on the kettle, we have these to give out. You're not just there collecting money at the kettles, but as Chloe mentioned, you're actually there able to give out resources, great calendars, great little books, invitations to church. It's actually amazing. So the second thing you can do is you can just generally be invitational. Some of us find it hard to launch into the Jesus stuff, to tell people about Jesus. You can invite them to church and let God do the work. We've got these invitations and it invites them to church next Sunday and or to Christmas Day. Hand out some invitations, either on a kettle or grab some today and give them to your neighbours or your co-workers. Invite people. People are more open at Christmas time. Don't miss the opportunity to go beyond serving immediate needs to help serve people's ultimate needs. I think generally, this is probably a general point, but number three, it's about being intentional, intentionally connecting with people. As a church, this is like a key word that we've been looking at the last 12 months, not as a word, but as a concept, as to how we make everything more intentional. We've seen that over the last few weeks, Bill and Leonie, not actually doing the welfare, as we would say, but just like mingling with people and intentionally connecting with them, praying with them, Seeing what, what, trying to work out what is actually their real need rather than just the need they're presenting with and taking opportunities to introduce people to Jesus. We need more people to do that. Maybe you'd like to do that during the week, but you can do that anywhere you go. Taking everything just that one step further. Wednesday night, junior band happens upstairs. Jason is busy enough just making the junior band happen. I can't catch his eye, was he over this side? Just making it happen would be great to have a whole lot of people there connecting with parents that come to bring their children to band. Just intentionally inviting them to something, listening to their stories, taking opportunities when they come. You know, we might do more as a church in the future as in new programs, but if we were to do, never do a new program again and just get super more intentional with everything we do, actually more people would come to know Jesus. And that's what we're striving for at the moment. Jump on board, be a part of it. And lastly, they all, they all come up at once, make the highlight of your Christmas serving others. You know, this happened after I was here the first year, to be honest, the month of December went by and I felt like I didn't fit anything in that I wanted to do. 
You know, the whole month was taken. I was out Monday night, Thursday night, had breakups here. I just was busy the whole month and I didn't have time to fit in the things that I wanted to do. But actually, when I looked back and and God challenged me around that thought, I started to realise, actually, I just need to want to do the things that I'm doing. (laughs) Actually, to see those opportunities of caroling, of being up at Lang Park as we were last week, of sitting on the kettle, of serving people with toys, they're not things I'm having to fit in. I want actually that to be the highlight of my Christmas season. Because do you get that when you do that, it changes your attitude. I fit so much in this Christmas season. I haven't finished my Christmas shopping, but I've been on the kettle and had lots of good conversations. I've served up at the the carols. I've been caroling and had a great time talking to people and watching some of our youth just step up and do some of the connecting. It's almost like a fight to go and talk to someone when someone comes out of their house. Like, what a a joy to be part of that. Let's, Let's just change our mindsets a little bit, maybe, and actually think, actually, the highlight of my Christmas is going to be serving people rather than having to fit it in. So if you're struggling this year with the clutter of Christmas, with the chaos, if you're dreading this next week, Christmas can be a bit of a self-centred time, can't it? But serving others, giving us the opportunity to serve others, their immediate and more importantly their ultimate needs, can help release us to actually remember for ourselves too what's important. I think most of us in this room probably have our immediate needs met, although for some of us it's very tight at Christmas time. But this morning, don't miss the opportunity to make sure that ultimate need is being met, that relationship with Jesus that we talked about last week. Stop and take time. We're going to, the ensemble's going to come up and we're just going to sing a refrain. We sung this last week during the service. And I'm going to ask, um, as we sing this song, you might want to sing, you might want to just reflect, that you just think about someone that you can help this week. If you need some direction, please come and see me or Amy this week, and we'd more than happy point you into some directions of how you can serve. But maybe God's got someone in mind for you that you need to serve this week. We each are almost little churches when we go out to our own worlds during the week. We don't need the organised church all the time to get us to do something. And I want you to think about when you, when you sing this prayer to Jesus, when you say, um, we love you, Lord, we worship you. You are our God. You alone are good, are good. Let's claim that for ourselves. And then actually think about giving my life to honour this. What does giving your life to the Saviour King this week look like? Allow him to speak to you as we just sing this refrain a couple of times before we finish off this morning. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Hope which was lost now stand renewed. Salvation Army has a slogan, hope where it's needed most. Well, I tell you where hope is needed most isn't just for food and clothes and shelter and toys this Christmas. Hope is found in Jesus. That's where I find my hope. Ask him where you can help others find their hope in Jesus this week.